Welcome to Life at the Ballpark. On this episode, you'll hear stories from a sports columnist in a baseball crazy town who witnessed the return of a legend and the impact it had on the city. I heard from countless fans who said it was really amazing to be able to introduce my kids to my favorite player. And then for that favorite player to not be a guy who was gassed, but could go and hit a home run. So the kid goes, he's my favorite player. I mean, that's special, man. I don't know if it happens anywhere. That's not St. Louis. Welcome to Life at the Ballpark, sharing stories from players, managers and coaches, writers and broadcasters about their lives around baseball, from the sandlots to the big league ballparks. Hi, I'm John Frost, and my guest today is Ben Fredrickson, columnist for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and STLToday.com. Thanks, Ben Fred, for sharing about your life at the ballpark. It's good to be back, John. I, I, I don't know how many years consecutively this is, but we got a good run going. We're, we're competing with the Cardinals for a consecutive winning season streak. <laughs> I think we're uh, building it the right way. So it's good to be with you, man. How are you? Doing great. It's been a fun spring. It's been an interesting spring. It's It's been good to have spring training, a full spring training, uninterrupted by the lockout or COVID or anything. And, and uh, what's your take on what you've seen as we're sitting here with spring training winding, winding down. It's been good to be back. It's been good to have this feel, you know, the schedule of it feel, I don't want to use the word normal because this hasn't been a normal spring training with the new rules and the World Baseball Classic. I know we're going to get into that stuff. So it hasn't been quote unquote normal, but it's been the way it should be with the timing and the length. And that's been good. We've had, you know, we've been through the COVID stuff. We've been through the lockout shenanigans and this felt like a spring that was about baseball. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would much rather have us debate and discuss the impact of the World Baseball Classic and its direction and, you know, the pluses and minuses of it from eight major league teams than I would, you know, get into the nitty gritty on CBA negotiations, right? Mm-hmm. We like baseball. Fans like baseball. They want to talk about the new rules. They want to talk about everything about their teams. They don't want to talk about service time and the difference the difference in agreements between millionaires and billionaires. And I don't blame them. I don't either. I don't like writing about it. I'd much rather cover this stuff. So that's been great. The good vibes in camp. Um, you know, a little bit of bad news with the Adam Wainwright injury. So the Cardinals are are disappointed about that development, but hopeful he'll be a part of this sooner rather than later. Other than that, I think it's been a very good spring for the Cardinals. They got their guys mostly back healthy from the World Baseball Classic. They really got an exciting um, look at some prospects who are either going to be on the opening day roster. We'll find out. Probably folks, when they're listening to this, will know if Jordan Walker's on the team or not. But also a look at like guys like Mason Wynn and, and Tink Hintz and the WBC allowed that, so that's been fun. The Cardinals have really been able to flash some of that prospect talent that they said, hey, we're going to protect these guys. And some of the folks who were maybe mad that they didn't make the big trade for certain players, um, I will go down swinging that they should have signed a big starter this offseason, but I understood why they didn't trade for position players with this talent. I think this spring we're seeing why. So they're ready to roll. Talked to Ali Marmol yesterday and he said, today's the first day I'm ready to go. <laughs> it's, it's time to get out of here. The guys are back and they're itching to go. And uh, I, I think that they're ready to leave spring and feel like they've, they've got their team as close as they can to, to play, ready to play meaningful regular season games. I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What has most impressed you about the Cardinals this spring? Well, I, I think that the, a few things, um, Jordan Walker, let's start there. And I, he cooled off a little bit, you know, toward the end of camp. But 
the way that he swings, the impact on the ball that he can make with his bat, his speed, and beyond that, his poise and his his just kind of ability to be himself in this moment. He's not going to get rattled. He's not going to get a home hit a home run every time he goes to the plate. But he's got a kind of a wisdom beyond his years. I first noticed that at winter warm-up when he came and got the full introduction to the Bush Stadium experience with the fans being there. It won't be the same as as you know attending a home opener for him, but the way he handled himself, he brought his family. I got to talk to his grandmother. Mm. They're great people, down-to-earth people. They've got a very special young man in their family, but you know, at to them he's just Jordan and he he carries that kind of humility with him. I think it will I think it will bode well for him whether he starts the season in St. Louis or Memphis, but I also think that he fits in really well with this team. These veterans like him and they're awed by him in moments. The manager has a great relationship with him already. Part of the craziness of this spring has allowed him and Ollie Marmolte to know one one another and and I see him being a guy who can get better at the major league level which it sounds crazy to say that because years ago, you know, that was you had to get you had to be ready and then you were a major leaguer and that's the way it worked. This day and age, guys are developing in the majors, whether you like it or not. That's just the way the game's trending. So I think he's got uh I think he's a good player right now and I think he's going to be getting better before our eyes whether he starts in St. Louis. That doesn't I don't know that it matters all that much to be honest. So he's top of the list, but there's been other guys too and we should give him some love. I mean, a guy like Jake Woodford, John, who last season rode that Memphis shuttle up and down and he was getting results, but the Cardinals were always talking about it. It seemed like the things he couldn't do. And that can be really frustrating for a player. You feel like you're doing your job and you're getting good results and the team's telling you, well, what we see in the results, that's not sustainable. You know, you, we want you to do this better. And instead of saying, well, you guys just don't like me, which is what he could have said. Some people would have. He said, okay, I'll work on this. I'll, I'll, I'll reshape my slider. I will do the things you tell me to do. And he comes back this spring and he dominates. And look how things work out. He's going to be in the bullpen as a swing man. They say, you're too good. You're not going to Memphis. we got to find a way to use you, even though you're not in the rotation. Adam Wainwright gets hurt, and now all of a sudden he's in the rotation. So the transition that some guys have made after some tough seasons, I think is really one of the cool stories of spring. I would put Obviously, Jake Woodford in that conversation. I'd put Nolan Gorman in that conversation. He got a chance to to be at the major league level a lot last year. He had 14 homers, but he struggled at times, and he would admit that. He came to spring. It was most (laughs) impressive along with Jordan Walker because you're absolutely right. And different camp for him because he didn't come in trying to create a spot on the opening day roster. He knew that wasn't going to happen. In some ways, that allowed him to just play free, and Mason Wynn playing free is really fun to watch. It is fun to watch. Um, a former Cardinal made the and this was not taken lightly. Said that he kind of remind that he does some things out there that kind of look like some things that Ozzy would do. Mm-hmm. And it's like when you say that about a young Cardinals player, you go whoa. But what's been impressive this spring beyond his arm, which we all know is electric, he's hitting and he's doing damage at the plate. He's taking poised, mature at bats. And, you know, he told me, he said, at Springfield last year, he showed up and just tried to knock the snot out of the ball. And he said, that's not really who I am. I can run into some. But he wants to prove this year that he can be that table setter. He wants to be a a leadoff or two guy. And if he can do that and bring elite shortstop defense, there are moments, little moments of spring where you see the game can get quick on him because he's 20 years old. You know, and he and he's and he's still so young, but then he does some things. You go, wow, this guy's very special, and it means that you don't rush him, you don't put him in St. Louis just so he can sit on the bench. He's got to play, play, play. 
Um, if there is a long-term opening at shortstop in St. Louis this season, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him. But I think for now, the best thing you want him to do is to play. And I think he is comfortable and confident that the Cardinals have a good plan for him. He's going to be here soon. Um, and this spring maybe expedited it. Well, and you can tell he was a two-way player from some of the throws he's made a short. What I mean, an arm. Well, what, what caught my attention is when he plays second, and he gets a ball, and you literally watch him think about, okay, I need to dial this back because he doesn't want to throw it through Paul Goldschmidt, whoever's <laughs> playing first base. But he has such a he has such a quick release with such velocity; it's really remarkable. And then you, it's it, it makes you in some ways it's unfair to other guys who are playing that spot because you go, well, no one else can throw like that. Well, nobody else, very few across the majors can. And you know he's twenty, so it's it should only get more controlled, smoother. And, uh, you know, I, I've just been I've been very impressed by him and and also his understanding, kind of like Jordan. Now, Mason's different. Mason's a little uh, I wouldn't say louder, but Mason's got swagger. Mason's got Mason's got an energy to him, but it's a good energy. It's the kind that lifts other guys up around him. And, you know, these older guys, they might roll their eyes at him, but they're not they don't dislike him. And, and I think that he is kind of the live wire of that wave of prospects. And I can't tell you how many times Jordan Walker said, yeah, Mason's like my personal hype man. And it, some, you need one. You know, you need a guy who's who's playing the music and, and singing the songs and dancing out there when the music's played between the innings. And it doesn't mean that he's not taking the game serious, but it means he's having fun playing the game and. Shouldn't that be what everybody out there tries to do? So he's been a really kind of a breath of fresh air this spring. And I think of anybody who benefited from the extended playing time, it was him. Because WBC took away Tommy Edmond. That created some opportunities to play in the middle infield. Then Paul DeYoung can't throw, and he's limited. So Mason's playing more short. Then Paul DeYoung's back gets hurt. So Mason's playing even more. And what the major league staff got was a really long, good look at what this guy is. And I think they liked everything they saw. Because otherwise, they would have been playing the first two weeks, and then they then the veterans would be taken over, and we're late in camp. We would not have seen Jordan Walker or Mason win to the degree that we have because of the WBC. Yeah, Walker would have played a lot because they was you know they told him go make the team, so he would have, but he wouldn't have had sixty at bats this spring. He leads the team in at bats um, entering the final few games. Mason would not have. You're right, Mason. We wouldn't have seen this much because Edmund would have been here from the jump. And, you know, if DeYoung would have gotten hurt, maybe would have played more. But it was a really an extended showcase for him. I would put Tink Hentz in that category as well, um, who was a pitcher, but right there with that group of very talented up-and-coming players. So they got a real good chance to get some eyes on these guys. Not that they don't watch them when they're at the minors. They know what they have. But in some ways, it got to let the fans see them. And I think maybe the Cardinals fans who – can fairly say at times that the Cardinals have overvalued their their own prospects, can also say this group may be worth risking overvaluing because there are some guys in that group, that trio even, that can do some special things. And it would really it would really pain you to see them doing it in another team's uniform um, when they didn't really get a chance to do it for the Cardinals. So you can see this spring why all of these teams are trying to get the Cardinals prospects, and you can see why you know John Mozeliak and his front office have really kind of built up a wall around them. Well, it's it's going to be fun to watch for St. Louis fans because they're going to come to the ballpark, and you're you're not going to know what the lineup is going to be. These guys are going to mix and match. This is the, one of the most versatile lineups. They got guys that can play everywhere. I think it if it fulfills its potential, it could be one of the more dangerous 
lineups in the National League. And I don't say that lightly. I mean, look at what some of these teams have built with the Padres and the Phillies. Um, you know, there are some there are some bangers in the National League. The Cardinals are not going to have the brand name entering it, but they've got the more you look at it and the more you start to play those lineup games, which there's no more of a rite of passage in St. Louis than trying to <laughs> to trot out the opening day lineup before it gets named. But you might nail it, but it might change the next day. And the next day, it's we know a, a few things. Ali Marmol is going to adjust it based off of matchups, based off of who needs to play that day. They're gonna have a they're gonna have multiple outfielders that need to get reps. They're gonna have important bats on the bench that that prioritize well against certain pitchers, and he's going to mix and match. I view this lineup as kind of a, a, a concrete middle. Or maybe it's a Christmas tree, better way. Uh, you got the trunk that's going to stay and the decorations you move around. And if you're going to have that kind of lineup, you better have your, your cemented part be the thick of it. And they do. They're going to they're gonna have Goldschmidt, Arenado, and Contreras, three, four, five. And Contreras may not catch every single day, but he can DH. And he's here to be that fifth hole hitter. This, set, this is a much better place to start than the years where we've gone, well, maybe this guy can be the cleanup hitter. Well, if this guy, if you don't know that guy can be the cleanup hitter, you probably don't have one. Mm-hmm. Now, what that does is it lets you, okay, now now do the rest. And that's where it gets really fun and really interesting. I would like to see Brendan Donovan at leadoff. But you know what? Tommy Edmond could lead the major league in steals this year. And I don't think it's crazy to wonder if he might steal 50 bases with these new rules, the bigger bags, the pickoff limits. So do you want to... We want to give him that shot as the switch hitter at leadoff. Okay, what about second? I could see Tyler O'Neill being there because he's got power. They're, they think he's going to have a really big year. How can you not agree if he stays healthy? But you got to give him the benefit of the doubt until until he's not out there. He's a big power guy in the two spot. He doesn't hit ground balls, so you're going to take away the double play. So that that eliminates or at least does everything you can to eliminate the chance of a double play wiping out your runners in front of the three, four, five guys. Well, maybe Lars Newtbar because he walks and he has speed and power. So maybe maybe it's Newtbar or maybe it's Newtbar on one day and then O'Neill the next, depending on who's pitching because Newtbar's a left-handed hitter and O'Neill's a right-handed hitter. Maybe you put Edmund or Donovan at nine because it's kind of like your second leadoff spot. You, if you take Jordan Walker, you bat him down, right? But maybe he starts forcing his – I mean, you can go on and on and on. And then on the bench, you might have a guy like Alec Burleson who has hit everywhere he's been, who's had a really quietly good spring, finishing very strong, um, will benefit from his experience last year. You could have a guy like you know Juan Yepes. We'll see if he starts. But he had the, the only home run of the Cardinals in the postseason last year and really benefited from being under Albert Pujols, who – swung by camp earlier this spring. Um, I mean, you've got some real bench depth. And for a long time, I mean, how many times down here did we talk about Cardinals don't have much bench depth, they don't have much flexibility. They've got bench depth and flexibility. Alec Burleson, Juan Yepes can play a corner outfield spot. I mean, they're not going to win your gold glove there, but they can stand out there. They can play first base. If you, you know, Brendan Donovan can play everywhere on the field, so he can be in the lineup every day, but not necessarily playing the same spot. There's some real, real depth and flexibility to this lineup and they can all hit and if they all hit this lineup we're not gonna be talking about the lineup having issues again it's gonna be it's gonna be a lineup that could carry this team and I think the questions will be more about you know can the starting pitching kind of take that step forward and be more than just an okay staff I I think that's where I'm at with this Cardinals starting pitching staff I think it can be okay but can it be can it be better than that I'm not sure and you had a chance to visit with Miles Michaelis 
just a few days ago. I did, yeah. Good day for Miles. Yeah. He gets a $40 million extension, has a great start in the night game at West Palm, and in, in between ate a, uh, I think it was a double cheeseburger from Five Guys with fries <laughs> and a Coke. I mean, it, if that's not the American dream, John, then I don't know what is. So um, Miles is is pretty cool story. Um, he grew up here and grew up skipping school to come to games to listen to you introduce <laughs> Albert Pujols. And he told that story when Albert came back last year. It's like it was surreal for him, A, to be a Cardinal because of growing up. He thought, guy thought his career was over. He goes over to Japan, you know, builds his career back, signs with the only team he, he wanted to play for as a kid, and now has extended himself so where it's he could, you know, depending on how this goes, maybe he signs another extension with the Cardinals. But he's around through 2025, and he's thrilled about that. And he's I don't think people understand what Miles has done when he's been healthy. He's a two-time All-Star when he's healthy. He led this team in quality starts and innings pitched last season. Last season, he was top three, I think, in innings pitched, and I think he was top seven in quality starts, not in the National League, in all of baseball. I don't think people value these days how much that saves your pitching staff to have a guy who can go out and go the distance. Um, he might give you a complete game or two a year. He's saving not only your your bullpen, he's saving your rotation from being asked to do too much. I mean, he's he's buying time for every other arm on the staff every time he goes out there, and he's pitching very well. He's not just an innings eater. He's a guy who, you know, goes out and gives you a chance to win, and it's the same thing that Adam Wainwright has to find a way to do, which is go pitch and also give you a chance. Miles is doing it, but effectively throwing four pitches for strikes, being able to hit the corners of the zone. He looks really good this spring. Um, I don't know why in the world they undervalued him like they did in the World Baseball Classic. I thought it was almost criminal, and I think he showed exactly why in his in his final Grapefruit League start. They should have had him had him starting that championship game, but the Cardinals don't undervalue him, and, and they're really happy to have him. It's also speaks to how they've really done a good job of finding some guys internationally. We think of, do they sign international players? And we think, okay, well, where are those players born? Well, international players can be guys who go and rebuild their careers internationally too. The Cardinals have hit on some of those guys. Now we'll see if Drew Verhagen becomes the next one. Um, he's going to have a chance to have a high leverage role in this bullpen. This is the year where that contract needs to look like a win and not one that missed. Mm-hmm. That's great. Let's talk about the, um, you mentioned the rule changes. Yeah. You mentioned the larger bases. Give me your observations uh, on what you've seen this spring as it relates to the changes in the rules. Well, I. What do you like and what do you not like? Sure. I like the times of games. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> I am glad that the umpires and the players are communicating effectively about some things that need to have some wiggle room. It makes sense, right? If you're a, an outfielder who just ran down a fly ball and you had to slide headfirst to make the inning ending play, that you should get a little more time before you have to be up at the plate. Um, you got to have some common sense. A catcher needs time to take his gear off, okay? Um, if a pitcher has to back up a play at third base and he's gassed, the clock doesn't need to be pressuring him to throw a pitch he's not ready to throw. So I think the umpires are figuring out kind of where the grace where the grace feel is, and I, th- I think that'll happen naturally. So I'm glad those conversations are going well. And I like what Jack Flaherty said where he said the rule changes have been good. We just need to continue the dialogue. And I think that's that's really good. So I like that. I'm for the bigger bases. They look goofy, but I think, you know, I'll say this, the the polling that baseball did, 
showed that fans want to see more stolen base attempts. And it was not a slim margin. Majority of fans wanted to see more. So this creates that a little bit. I think it's really going to be important to have a strong-armed catcher. I think the Cardinals were wise to get Wilson Contreras. He's looked really good this camp and also just fits. I'm wrong sometimes, John. I'll admit that. But I was right about him being the right guy for this team. Mm -hmm. And I think the Cardinals found that out when they went to talk to him. And I think anybody who had questions about that have been had those questions go away this spring. He's a good player. He wants to get better. The Cardinals can make him better defensively. He's got a rocket arm that will will help combat this bigger bases, you know, stolen base era that's coming. So I think that when you've got a guy who's comfortable trying to back pick a guy off second base, how many mm-hmm. times have we seen that this spring? Yeah. He'll make any throw and he's mm-hmm. fearless. And it reminds me of Yachty. Sure does. Because Yachty would make any throw and he and he would never think is that worth it? If he thought he had you, he'd go. And I think Contreras has some of that in him. So I like that. I really like all, I think I like all of the rule changes except for the shift ban. And I, I'll say this, I, I think I like the game, the aesthetics of what it provides, but I don't like the intent of the rule. And I think we're already seeing why it won't work in terms of stopping these teams from doing it because we've already seen it. Nolan Gorman's in West Palm Beach and there's two outfielders in the outfielder. In the outfield, one guy who's an effective infielder, but just is standing just off the dirt. And it's a shift. It, it's not a shift ban. It's a shift limit that is automatically being, you know, exposed to loopholes. So unless you're going to paint circles on the dirt and in the grass and say you have to be inside the circle, like that's what it's going to have to be if they want to really ban it. Teams are going to manipulate it. They're going to warp it because that's what baseball does. So I would have preferred if they just continue to leave defense up to how a team wanted to play it and continue to put the onus on hitters to be more versatile. They decided to go a different direction. Um, We'll see how much of that actually happens in the regular season. But if you can't hit a ball straight up the middle when there's no one stopping it from hitting the, you know, hitting the wall, then I don't know what to tell you because there there will still be shifts and they're going to play guys to their strengths and weaknesses and hitters are still going to have to adjust or hit into, I guess we'll call them shading now. We won't call them shifts. We'll call them shades, but it's not going to change. It's going to look different because that's what baseball does. So I didn't like that rule. And I think this spring has confirmed why I didn't because we're already seeing teams start to tinker with it. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I I think the, the rules have been mostly good. And I think that baseball was, was smart for looking at some of these things and trying to make the game more athletic, more action. That's that's what we want to see. I don't think fans are sitting around going, God, these games are so long. That's, that was how they described it. I think what they were really discussing was a lack of action. It was guys standing around too much. And this game is athletic. It's got great athletes in it. Now I think we'll see that more, and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Before we go, you've been so generous. By the way, how's your coffee? It's great, man. Thank you. You've been for, talking uh, too much. I want to give you a chance to drink your thank coffee. Thank you for, for picking up the tab. I, <laughs> I feel like you bless me with my Crux coffee, and I hopefully bless you by introducing you to my favorite yeah. coffee shop down here in, by the place. ballpark. So Thanks to you. If yeah. you're down here, can I give a plug? I don't. Sure. Get, this is oh, not please. sponsored. Please. If you're down here and like coffee, go to Crux. It's a it's a really great place. They love baseball. They, they love the Cardinals fans who come down and visit, and they're really good, really good coffee shop and good people. So that's my plug. Good. It's a good plug. <laughs> they well deserve, too. As we wrap up, let's take a look back because I don't want you to get out of here without talking about last year. Last year was an amazing year. Albert showed up. He had a profound impact on the team. You mentioned Juan Yepes earlier. Uh, on the individual players, on the city, 
on the ability to, to make a pennant drive. Talk a little bit about your observations of last year in Albert Pujols. It was every day was a new record, it felt like. Um, and the way that Albert finished, I don't think I'll probably ever see a perfect ending close to that for an individual player. Now, it didn't end the way the Cardinals wanted in the playoffs. He deserved to go deeper into the playoffs. He really did. And it let the record show that he and Yachty got hits in their final at-bats. For all of the drama about Yachty going off to watch his basketball team, when the game, when the season was on the line, Yachty or Molina came through, and that will not be forgotten, at least not here. But with Albert and coming so close to just hanging it up, you know, when he was struggling, just saying, I'll just, I'll just call it. From that, for the All-Star game and out, I did have a sense when they named him to the All-Star game that he was going to get some, he was going to get some verve from that. And he's the kind of, he's always been a guy who likes the stage. Mm-hmm. You put him around the game's best players and they tell him, you're my favorite player. How can you not walk a little taller, you know? <laughs> and then we saw him in that home run derby and I was like, okay, he's going to, he found a second wind. And that was really neat. I, I enjoyed watching Albert off the field too, because so I was an intern in 2011. I think I've maybe I've told you this story. And I was there when Albert got hurt against the Royals and it looked like the season was coming off the tracks and I had to go back to college at Mizzou and I thought there's no way they're going to do anything. And my dad likes to remind me of that, that I wrote off the 2011 Cardinals anytime I think I know something about sports. So um, <laughs> that's my that's my 2011 joke. But Albert then, weight of the world on his shoulders, understandably, um, you know, that he was carrying the team and there, everybody knew it, including him. And the, he, there was pressure and he was tense at times. Um, he could be gruff, but uh, you could understand why this was a, this was a different Albert. It was fun, loving, smiling, giving out big bear hugs. And it was never that he, he valued his job. He became one of their most important hitters as the course of the season went along. He was one of, he was one of their, their best hitters, if not their best hitter entering the playoffs, including a team that had the National League MVP on it <laughs> and a finalist. So he never factored his different kind of mentality into his performance. He was always locked in when he was playing. But how much he enjoyed the experience was really cool to see. Mentoring these young guys, having a blast. He phrases, I'm not, you know, he's just on the train. He wasn't driving it. And I think he enjoyed that. And special, special reunion for the Cardinals, for the city, heard from countless fans who said it was really amazing to be able to introduce my kids to my favorite player. And then for that favorite player to not be a guy who was gassed, but could go and hit a home run. So the favorite, so the kid goes, he's my favorite player. I mean, that's special, man. I don't know if it happens anywhere. That's not St. Louis. And I, I don't, I try not to be myopic in my St. Louis's is better than any other place. I mean, we all want to do that naturally, but I don't know that a baseball story happens like that anywhere else. I don't know that a city can bring a guy back to back to life as a player like St. Louis did with Albert. I, I just don't. I just don't think it happens. It was pretty remarkable to see, and I'll, I'll probably never see anything like it again. It was an amazing thing to watch. It sure was, and it's so fun to be able to catch up with you too. Let's do it again next let's, year. Let's, once a year. <laughs> <laughs> ben Fredericks, columnist for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Thanks for sharing about your life at the ballpark. Thank you, John. Looking forward to a great season, and uh, thanks for being the, the voice of starting it all off every year. Tune in each week for a new episode. I hope you'll subscribe and share with your friends. Life at the Ballpark is produced by Jim Gubernelli. Project manager is Paul Adams. 
I'm John Frost, sharing stories of life at the ballpark. <laughs>